we have a theme this year. Who knows what the theme is? Walking the way. We actually have hats now that have it on it. I have a wristband, walking the way. You know, this is, this is important. And how are you going with that? I think it's about six weeks since we kicked this off. And I just want to ask, how are you going walking the way? You know, we started out with a couple of weeks of fasting before we kind of kicked off this year, fasting and prayer. And then we've done a series on the Holy Spirit and, and personal revival. You know, how are you going? Yeah. I see a lot of long faces. Some people are really good. But you know what? I really think that, that um, evil really tries to stop good. And I want to say I've seen it in the last six weeks. Okay, I have. And I have no doubt that someone doesn't like that we're getting on our knees. Someone doesn't like that we're getting into God's word, that we are wanting to walk in the way. Because there is hurt, there is pain, there is death. And I don't know if I've ever seen it quite to this extent as I have in the last six weeks of people, you know, unwell physically, people who are spiritually um, discouraged, um, you know, there's all sorts of conflict and things that are happening to just try to wreck us. And I just want to keep pointing us to Jesus. He is the one that will bring us together to help us to stay on this mission that we have to draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus. It's so important. And as we get started, I just remind you, I think I actually have that on the PowerPoint. Let's see if this is going to work. Okay, so walking the way, as we already said, the theme. And this is our, our key verse that's going throughout this year. He is what? The way, the truth, and the life. This is about Jesus. And Jesus, he is what we're on about. And, and today's topic is about grace. And Jesus has ultimately showed us the grace that we can't comprehend. And so the title today is Grace In, Grace Out. We receive grace beyond what we could even imagine, we can even comprehend. And what God wants us to do then is to share that grace. Okay, so we get it from God in our relationship with Him. Remember the vertical and the horizontal is our relationship with others. Our relationship with God's pretty easy, really. Well, it's not easy, but at least we can know if there's any problems with that relationship, whose fault is it? Yeah, ours, because... That end of the relationship is perfect. You know, unlike our human relationships where, you know, whether it's your spouse or a best friend or someone that you work with at church or whatever it is, you know, those are the challenges because you've got two imperfect human beings somehow trying to, to work through things, and that's not always easy. And I just want to encourage us to keep going to our knees, to keep going to God's Word, because we have a battle. The battle is with the flesh. And we need to be filled with the Spirit as we preached about in a series of four different weeks. You know, being filled with that Spirit. How often? Can you remember? Call it out. How often do we need to be filled with the Spirit? Daily. Really, every day, every second of the day, really. But every day, you know, it's a fresh start. Every day, we ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us and to help us and to make us into more of what He wants us to be. We have problems, though. We have battles with the flesh. I know I've shared this many times with you, but I share again. 
one of the things that really um, highlights my weakness is when I drive. And it's a problem. And it continues to be a problem. And I, I guess that's why I keep sharing it with you. Because somehow I think, oh, I'm going so well. And then I get behind the wheel. And somehow, you know, and I was thinking this week, because there's a couple of things that happened this week, and it was like, Mike, what are you thinking? You're a pastor. But somehow I think I know best, you know. I've been driving for yonk yonk years, you know, thousands and thousands of kilometers. I've driven trucks and buses and things. You know, somehow I just start thinking, you know, I know what I'm doing and no one else does. Now, does that sound familiar? Do we as Christians sometimes, you know, I, 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 you know, get in that sort of frame of thought that we think we know everything. It's human nature. We want to control things. We want to think that we know best. And I guess maybe because of my insecurity, somehow the road is one place where I do uh, overdo it the other way. I feel overconfident, you know. And I think that somehow I know the right distance to drive between me and the car in front of me, you know. You know, some people leave 50 meters between the car and the car in front of me. And I think, well, if everybody did that, boy, traffic would be backed up a lot further. But also, if people weaved in and out of traffic like I do, it would probably be a lot more accidents. So, you know, I don't know what's best. And I'm the first to admit it, okay. And I'm just using that as an analogy because I think we can all find out and think about where our weakness is. Where is it that you struggle? And especially when it has something to do with those two relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with people. I was driving not that long ago down the highway, and I wasn't even speeding, but there was one of these policemen there in the medium kind of behind a bush, and I quickly put on the brakes, and I thought, why did I do that? I'm not even speeding. But, you know, we get this idea, you know, they're just out to get you. And, and I'm, I'm trying to overcome that because I know we need enforcement. We need to have safe drivers. We need to obey traffic laws. But, you know, it's my weakness, and I struggle. I struggle to think they're out there for my good. I'm a bit wary to say this, but what, it's been November the 1st, 2017, the last time I was booked. Now, I'll probably get booked now. But listen to this. I've deserved it more than since then, okay? I've gone over the speed limit. I've broken some rules. Luckily, they weren't hiding behind that bush. But listen, this is what life's like. And I think I've actually improved. I think I'm getting better. It's been a long process. But I could easily go backwards. And this is the way it is with our relationship with God. You know, we've got to make sure we're daily, daily allowing him to work in us and grow us. And that's really what we want to highlight today. Why? Because God is so loving and gracious to us. You know, the Bible's full of um, incidents where people have, like me kind of think they know what's best. And I'm sure none of you have that problem. I'm sure none of you think you know what's best a lot. But, you know, this, this was a problem. And the Bible even says that people, and this is the book of Judges. And the book of Judges, it's not a very nice book, you know. It's, it's quite a book full of, um, you know, despair and brokenness. It's certainly not a book you read for warm, fuzzy feelings. 
But, you know, what it says there is that they were all doing what was right in their own eyes. And this suddenly hit me like a brick wall. That's my problem with driving. You know, I think I'm doing what's right in my eyes. You know, I'm not sure, you know, that person that maybe what's going on in their life. At times do I get on the phone while I'm driving, not holding it in my hand, of course, but on hands-free, um, and, and, and not really paying attention and doing the right thing. You know, let's, let's be gracious to others. God's gracious to us. Let's be gracious to others. And again, I use that analogy as driving because that's an area where I really struggle to show grace. I, in other areas, I'm very good at it. But this is an area that God's teaching me. What's the area that he's teaching you? What's the area that he wants to help you? And let's allow him to show us his way, not our way, to see it through his eyes, not through ours. Because our eyes are very limited. Our vision is very limited. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's around the corner. He knew what was already going to happen here in 2021 before it happened. And he knows what's going to happen the rest of this year and, and on. So I need to just trust him each day. You know, one of the other problems we have is, is because we tend to see it through our eyes and think we know best, we sometimes get challenged by others who succeed. Let me put it this way. You know, when others succeed, sometimes, and I'm speaking for myself, it can make me feel like I've failed. You see what I'm saying? You know, sometimes when others, and that's the way this world works. This world works on a basis of competition. And you go out for the race, and one person wins the race, the rest of you lost the race. God says his system's different. The first will be last, the last will be first. He says, I work in a different scale. And I'm glad he does that. But it still is a daily battle. Now, one of the things we're trying to do here as a church is, is to build teamwork and build leadership and try to get all our leaders to actually be not threatened because a leader comes up and takes your position and maybe does that job better than you, but actually celebrate it. Because if you've helped that person to get in that role and they do the job better than you, then God's used you in a mighty way. You know, That's the way we want to see this church operate. That's the way we want to see you get involved. And that's why we have the growth track. We want you to find out how God's wired you so we can utilize you best. God's called us not to be people who accept Jesus and we come to church on Sabbath and, and that's it. He says, hey, I want you to serve others. And I know there's lots of ways you can serve and there's many different reasons why some people don't serve in the church. But again, I want to call, if we are all putting in a little bit, it really helps. And it actually will bless you, especially if you're operating where your passion is, where your spiritual gifts are, where your, your, your uh, personality fits. And, um, you know, that's sometimes a process. You don't right go into that, that role. But we want to try to help you. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you to find that place where you fit. Now, as, as I read this, this is really Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, just before he actually gave the Lord's Prayer. But I want to read this. This is from... Not even what's called a translation, because a translation is something that's translated from another language. The Message Bible is, is more rightly called a paraphrase, because they use English, they don't translate word for word. But um, you know, most of the time, it, it really helps us understand, because it uses language 
that's more common to us in our culture in this day. And, and I, I really like these two verses I want to share with you because I think this will help us on this personal journey of actually growing in Christ, accepting his grace daily, being filled with the Spirit, and then letting it flow through you. And here's what it says in Matthew 6. We're going to read verses 6 and 7. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. You get what that's saying? You know, how many of us are caught into role playing? You know, we just want to fit in. We just want to do what's right. But are we really personally opening our heart up, having that heart-to-heart connection with God? You know, sharing with them the things that we don't even want to verbalize or want to just keep hidden because we think they'll go away. But you don't need to be afraid. God already knows it. And here he's saying, he's not wanting you to confess right here with other people. Start out by confessing just to him. Now, there is another step. And this is one of the things we cover in our recovery road. We're recovering from all sorts of bad habits and addictions and things is where you actually confessing to others. And this is another step in growth. But start out by confessing to God. And, um, you know, don't just role play. Really do it from the heart. And just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. Okay? It's not easy. But do the best you can. Ask God, even if your motives are wrong, help him. Say, God, help me to change my motives. The focus will shift from you to God. And you'll begin to sense his what? His grace. You know, what is grace? You know, I looked up in in the Bible, I think it's some 160 times the word grace is used. It's used right through the Bible. And to me, it's one of the most powerful words. And, you know, no one thinks of grace without, as a Christian, without the great hymn, Amazing Grace. And we're going to sing a a modern version of that as we close today but you know it is God's grace is amazing and it's actually receiving something we don't deserve you know and Jesus tells a parable about these guys who came and worked in the vineyard and some worked a short time and some worked a long time and and they all got paid the same And, and, and you know and a lot of them they were grumbling about it you know this isn't fair And Jesus is trying to show a point. He's not telling us that we need to discriminate. What he's doing is trying to teach us a spiritual lesson. And that is that God came to die for everyone. And he actually wants what's best. And if you refuse to accept and to follow Jesus Christ, you're robbing yourself. Okay? And and that's the lie that the evil one again tries to get you to think that, oh, somehow if I'm a Christian, i got to somehow give up enjoying life. And having joy, but, but God says, no, I'm actually going to give you joy that this world can never give you. You can go to bed at night, and you can have peace, and you can know where your eternal destiny is. That's a great way to live. And, you know, there's been two people who are terminally ill I've sat next to and prayed and read Scripture this week. And, you know, it's not easy. See, they, they know their life days are numbered. But fortunately, both of these have great faith, and I'm able to encourage them. And I want to, you know, don't wait until you're at that point you're facing death. But, you know, you, it's never too late. You know, there's a great story of the thief on the cross. That was pretty much the last second, but he said, Jesus, I accept you. And he was, Jesus knew his heart. He wasn't like the other criminal that was just kind of mocking him. He was sincere and recognized who Jesus was. And accepted Jesus' forgiveness, love, and grace. And Jesus told him, 
that he would be saved in his kingdom. You know, that's leaving it to the last minute. But, but you know, if that, if that thief could have got off that cross, his life would have been different, wouldn't it? You know, he would have went following Jesus. He would have been baptized. He would have um, done whatever he could. He wouldn't have been perfect all of a sudden, but he would have began a relationship with his Lord and Savior. This is what the journey is about. This is about letting God's grace fill you and let it then pour out of you. Receiving something you don't deserve. You know, it's easy to compare ourselves. And, um, you know, the, the, the story of the two men who prayed in the temple really speaks to me. I, I love that story. You got a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee goes up in the front of the church and he starts telling how he's so glad he's not like this sinner in the back who, you know, does this and does that, but he does the right things. He goes to church every week. He studies his Sabbath school lesson. He pays his tithe. He does all the right things. And yet, Jesus says, this man, the tax collector in the back, is the one that went home justified. You see, this, this man was all about comparing himself to others. And it does help us. It makes us feel better, you know, because there's always someone that's worse than us. There's always someone that has struggles that we don't. So again, let's try to let God change the way we think, the way we judge other people, the way we uh, get along with other people, and let his grace be there. And give people, too, what they don't deserve. Because we, we live in such a... Uh, equality world now, worse than ever. It's gone almost, um, you know, uh, nuclear. You know, it's it's just, it's so everything's got to be fair, and you know, it, it's it's difficult. But but God, He operates in a different way, and He loves you and accepts you, and you could do nothing to make Him love you anymore. What a beautiful thing. And so we too can go home justified. We too can be justified daily as we ask for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We say, Lord, forgive me and thank you I've got a new day. Thank you that you saved me through Jesus. And um, as we go on with the next verse here, it says, The world is full of so-called prayer warriors. And, you know, we certainly have some good prayer warriors in this church. But again... You know, you don't go around saying, hey, I'm a great prayer warrior. You know, look at me. You know, it's, it's actually about us humbly praying for others. Again, letting God's grace flow through us, showing people love and grace and forgiveness that they don't even deserve. And they're full of formulas and programs and advice, paddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Doesn't that word it interesting? Aren't we all guilty of that? You know, we want to use God to our advantage instead of surrendering and humbling to his will. You know, Lord, can't you fit into my will? Can't you give me what I want? And this leads me to what often we refer to these days as the prosperity gospel. And I want to just talk a moment about the prosperity gospel versus the real gospel. And the prosperity gospel is one that says, you know, you can have wealth, you can have health, you can have power, you know, if you just become a Christian. You know, suddenly if you become a Christian, all your dreams will come true. And uh, that's, that's not the gospel I read about in the Bible. The gospel is good news because it's the salvation that comes to all of us through Jesus Christ. But it doesn't guarantee us that suddenly life will become easier. And all you have to do is look at Jesus' followers. And, of course, we know Jesus himself died on a cross 
But we look at others, you know, John the Baptist was beheaded. We've got uh, Peter who was hung on a cross upside down. We got Paul. And I think he might have been beheaded too, was it? Is that right, Greg? I think Paul was beheaded. Yeah, that's not a very good um, sort of, you know, you don't want to join the Christian club because of, uh, you know, their great um, life experience. But, you know, we do know that they actually had better lives because not only did they have the joy that came each day from knowing Jesus Christ, they have the certainty of eternal life with him. And that's the good news. So let's, let's not fall in the trap. I mean, I do think all of us will have a better life by being a Christian. But it doesn't mean that life's going to be easy, but it means God's going to be with you to help you through those rough patches. He's going to help you when things are difficult. And that's good news. Here in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. You know, this is, again, something that doesn't come easy for us as Christians, as human beings, you know, to to actually be vulnerable, to show our weakness, to actually surrender. But that's really our, our step to recovering from the ultimate addiction of sin. We've got to surrender. We've got to be willing to recognize our weakness and surrender it to Jesus Christ who is the ultimate power. He gives us power through his spirit. And I thank God for that wonderful power that he gives us. And then we get to our key verse for today. And here in John chapter 1, you know, this chapter begins as John begins this gospel about in the beginning was the word and, 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 you know, you say, well, what is the word? Well, if you get on down and you get in verse 14 here, it tells you what the word is. And as we read here, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. Here you have the... the um, collision of heaven and earth. You have God who created flesh come to this earth and become flesh. You know, it's hard for us to even fathom, but this is what the scripture tells us. This is what the gospel is all about. This is the real gospel. And the real gospel says, hey, you can do nothing on yourself to save yourself. Even the very best thing you've done. If you thought right now, and I I asked you, what was the best deed, the best thing you've ever done? We could all probably think of at least a few. And what the Bible says about that, those best things are like filthy rags. You know, even the best isn't going to get us close to being, uh, earning our right with God. So let's not get caught in the trap of trying to do this and do that to earn something we can never earn. Let's just accept it. We don't deserve it. So it's like if you were taking a class in school and you just didn't do well at all. You flunked all the tests and the quizzes and you deserved a big F. And the teacher looks at you and says, well, I just just like you and I'm just going to give you an A. But that's really what God does. We don't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. I don't care how much we study, how much effort we put forward, but he gives it to us. And what do we need to do? 
accept it and say thanks. That's actually how you accept it. Because when you say thank you to someone, you've accepted when they give you something. Thank you, God. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for the eternal life that you give me. And, you know, every day we look in the mirror and we see ourselves and we recognize that, you know, I've got problems. You know, and here in this verse it says that full of the grace and truth. Well, what is truth? Well, God's word is truth. You know, some here might say, well, truth is the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments is, is, is not about following rules. It's about love. It's about us having a relationship with God and a relationship with others. It helps us to recognize what sin is. But the Ten Commandments can't wash away our sin. We look in the mirror and our face is muddy. Can the mirror clean us? We can wipe our face with the mirror. It's just going to smear it and make it worse. It's only Jesus and his sacrifice that can wash us clean. What a great truth of the story of the gospel. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. In Romans 3.24, Paul puts it this way, Yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. So we can claim righteousness, not in a way again for us to boast, not in a way that we go around saying, hey, I'm righteous, because as soon as you start doing that, you're prideful and you're not righteous, but in a way that's saying, hey, I am righteous because of what Christ did for me. And he, through Jesus Christ, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins, freed us. You know, that reminds me of that word in our second um, step in our model, to know God, to find freedom. That's who gives us that freedom, Jesus Christ, from whatever's holding us back, from being all God's called us to be. And I want to encourage you to be part, you know, whether you're a life group here on Saturday mornings or a life group during the week, but have a group of people that you're getting together with and that you're praying and you're encouraging. It's so important to really find freedom and to move forward. I want to close with... A story of when I was shown grace. This story happened back when I was in boarding school. And, um, you know, when I grew up as a child, uh, I, 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 you know, I had lots of problems. I still have lots of problems, but um, they're different. But, um, you know, my, my mom and dad split up. I can't remember them together, but I was always torn between them. Had an older brother who wasn't the best example when I was younger. I, you know, was influenced did a lot of things. I struggled in school. I uh, was not very academic. I was very slow. I had a speech problem. You know, just a lot of things not going for me. And, um, you know, it was, it was tough. And that created a real low self-esteem. And some of you might have that problem. You know, sometimes you just don't believe in yourself. And I still struggle with it, but, you know, the older I get, the more I realize that my identity is not in my brains or, or my academic ability or my physical ability or, or my financial status. My identity is in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who made me righteous. And, and I can live in each day with confidence. I can have joy even though I might be struggling in some way. And as I was growing up, I, uh, fortunately, God led me to go away to a boarding school, and it was the best thing, because I was doing all sorts of things I shouldn't have been doing at a very young age, heading down the wrong track, destroying my life. 
And the best thing I did was going to a strict boarding school where I lived in a dormitory. And I've got two men in that dormitory I give great credit to. One was um, our boys, Dean, in the dorm, also my gymnastics coach, uh, Bill Walcott. And the other man was the assistant coach, Mr. Stan Detwaller. And these two men, I hope maybe if you're watching this online, hear me tell you, I owe you guys me being here in front of a church preaching God's word because if you hadn't influenced me and helped me to see God's word and that truth, I, I think I would have continued down a wrong track. So thank you for letting God's grace flow through you, that you didn't judge me, that you didn't condemn me, that you found good in me. And God wants to do that with you guys. He wants to use you to help build up other people. This is how the grace comes in and then the grace goes out. He wants to use you to, to lift people up, to build them up, to help them, because we all have our struggles. And I, it was my first year there, and I was excited because they had well-known gymnastics team. The reason I went up there and what really helped get my life back on track is the one thing that I was good at was gymnastics, and I had a specialty of hand balancing. I was very good at hand balancing, and Stan Detwaller, that, co that man that had a great influence, he taught me to do these handstands on blocks and and um, it, 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 I really looked up to him and admired him. Anyway, we went to a, a mall trip. So once a month, they take all the boys in the bus. You go to the shopping center, and you could buy whatever supplies or things you need. Well, often you didn't have much money, and you just kind of walked around and didn't do much. Well, I was there with my mates, and a couple of my mates were on the gymnastics team as well. And so we thought we'd have some fun. So we'd get on the escalators, and we would kick up a handstand and ride up standing on our hands you know no harm done well we did it out in the mall and then we went into like a store like Meyer, a department store and we did it in there but there was an undercover like security guy in there and he got really cranky at us and made us leave the store well we didn't know what to do then we ended up in the game room i didn't have any money so i'm just watching one of my friends that had some money in the in the, in the games and playing in the game room, suddenly I feel a tap on my shoulder. I look around and there's two mall security guards. You three boys come with us. And I'm like, what? And, and not probably having the attitude I should have. I thought, you know, what can they do? All I did was a handstand up an escalator. And these guys, um, I don't know, I shrugged my shoulders, I think is all I did, but man, the, the security guard didn't like it, and the next thing I know, he had me pushed up against the wall, and was being very rough with me, and they carried us down to the, their room, their security room, and they abused us. Now, not physically, but verbally. Man, I'd never heard so many slang words, swear words in my life, you know, this and that and that and that, you boys are in so much trouble, I, and so my attitude did change, I suddenly got scared. I was really afraid. I said, man, here I was up at the school. I was excited to be there. And I'm going to be kicked out of school. I'm going to have to go back home to Florida and, and, and go to school there. And, I, and I'm going to miss out with my friends and be a part of this gymnastics team that I'm looking forward to. And I, I was frightened. Eventually, one of my friends, that, the security guards, particularly me, they didn't like. I guess I had a, the worst attitude. And they really were having a go at me. But anyway, one of my friends went to get... They said we're from the school, and they went and found Mr. Detwaller, who happened to be the uh, staff member that was there supervising us boys that day. 
and I was scared because I knew one thing about Stan Detwaller. Not only was he a good hand balancer and a good gymnast, he was a godly man. He was a man that believed in the word of God, and uh, I thought, man, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Stan came in there, and the the security guards, what I was hoping was that those security guards would keep talking the way they did when he came in there because I thought, man, Stan's not going to stand for that language. But it's funny, their language suddenly cleaned up. They used no more of those curse words. And anyway, Stan let them know that, hey, um, I wouldn't cause any more trouble. They w- we would stay with him, and they finally let us go. But as we're walking, leaving the office and walking down the middle of the shopping center, I remember walking with my head down, just thinking how much trouble I am. I'm going to have to ring my mom. She's probably going to have to come pick me up, and I'm going to be out of school. And um, one of the things those men kept saying the boys were doing headstands up the escalators. Now, those of you that know anything about gymnastics, there's a big difference between a headstand and a handstand. And Mr. Detwaller certainly knew. And he said, as he looked at he said, boys, you know something? I wanted so bad to get on that floor and show those men the difference between a headstand and a handstand. And I looked up and I smiled and I said, thank you. Because I suddenly felt the grace the grace I didn't deserve. I probably deserved to go home. I deserved a lot worse than I got, but he showed me grace. And guys, God has showed us grace far better than forgiveness from doing some silly thing in a shopping center. He's forgiven us for whatever the worst thing that you've ever done. And I want to encourage you to accept it. Accept that forgiveness. Accept that grace. You know, here in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can take credit, you, can't, you can, can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. So we couldn't earn it. We have to accept it. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us could boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. My prayer is, folks, that God will come And just, you'll accept that forgiveness and that you'll allow him to just make make you into the masterpiece that he wants you to be. And as we as a church body, as we come together each week, as we go out during the week, you know, we've got some exciting things in in store. We're starting some new outreach things. And I just want to encourage you to try to get involved, to be, take part. And as we close to now, I'd just like for you to bow your heads as I pray for you. Dear Father in heaven, I just want to thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the grace that he showed by leaving heaven and becoming flesh. Living a life that was hard. Living a life where he was tortured and eventually killed and hung on a cross. But Lord, he did it for each of us. And he did it, and all we need to do is accept it. It's a free gift. Thank you, Lord, for that free gift. And Lord, if we truly accept it, it doesn't give us a license to go and live our lives as we want, but it actually gives us the power through your Spirit to be overcomers, to get rid of that rubbish in our life that's just holding us back from being all you want us to be. Lord, today we just give it all to you. Take it. May we live for you each day in Jesus' name. Amen.